right, and welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith, here alone for a solo interview episode. The full episode with Chuck and John will be out next week. If you need more Chuck and John in your lives, you can get that at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. We just dropped a bonus audio clip for the $5 and up crowd where uh, John details his life as a scofflaw living on a houseboat. Kind of a funny story involving exotic animals. Anyway, you get that at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast along with the other bonus content. We're in our fantasy leagues right now over on fantrax.com. Dot com competing for the big prize, which is uh, we got a couple of prize packages that will go out in addition to more importantly the pride of defeating the other listeners and hosts of Fast Break Breakfast. So if you want to get involved with all that kind of stuff, you do that at patreon.com slash fast break breakfast. Today's episode's pretty fun. Uh, talked with Matt Moore, and uh, you know, we argued a bit. He is uh, he's an arguer online. I don't normally interact online with, uh, you know, I like to live in an echo chamber, but this was fun. We had uh, differing opinions on a few things, and so we, we, we got to talk him out, uh, and he's a fun guy to talk to. Another way you can support our program is the Draft app. Download the Draft app at draft.com slash fastbreak. It's a daily fantasy sports app. They have all kinds of sports. I only play the NBA ones. You do a snake draft against your friends or against strangers. You can play for $1 or $3 or $5 or whatever you feel comfortable playing. I only play against our listeners. If you enter the code FASTBREAK, you get a free entry into any $3 game. I've been playing it every night since I first downloaded the app over a month ago. Uh, went on a really hot streak on kind of a cold streak right now. But again, I only play against you guys listening. So if you download the app, use our code FASTBREAK. Follow me on there. My username is FASTBREAKBREAKFAST. I'll follow you back. Then I'll create the games. I'll invite you into them. We all play against each other. It's another fun way to watch NBA basketball and to win a little bit of money. So again, the Draft app, draft.com slash FASTBREAK. Use the code FASTBREAK. My guest today is an NBA writer for the Action Network. He's formerly of CBS Sports and is editor emeritus of Hardwood Paroxysm. Mr. Hardwood Paroxysm himself, Matt Moore. Matt, how are you? Doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, first teams first. Tell me about the uh, the Action Network. It's a it's a newish gig for you. We all know you from Twitter and from CBS and all that, but uh, tell our listeners and even tell me more about what uh, the Action Network is. Yeah, so if you think about uh, ESPN, CBS, all these sites, what they've done is that they've essentially built traditional media reporting and analysis, and then they've layered stuff like gambling and DFS, like fantasy, on top of it. Um, we're kind of doing that in reverse, where you know we're focused on gambling and um, and, and DFS stuff. We got up to the minute lines, like lots of great info from that with our partnership with Sports Insights and Bet Labs. Great stuff on DFS through Fantasy Labs. We have all this really cool information, and I've been brought on to do just what I've always done, which is like you know as smart analysis as I can provide on the NBA, and it's really exciting. And we've got great writers and great content. We're adding more every day, and I'm thrilled to be a part of it. So. Are you yourself a big gambler or daily fantasy sports player? 
Uh, I'm comfortable in those spaces. Um, yeah. That's the things I've always, I liked following the lines. Uh-huh. I did expert picks for CBS for a number of years. And, um, you know, it's one of those where I'm comfortable doing it, but it's not necessarily like a, like I told, you know, one of the things that, that I made clear to, to my guys there is I'm like, I'm not a gambling expert. That's not what I do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things where I, I feel comfortable operating in those spaces, but it's, you know, there's a lot more to, to what I'm covering than, than just gambling or DFS. Gotcha. I remember when you announced that you switched over to this company, I was, I guess, just slightly surprised because I was like, I don't, when I think of the people who talk about gambling a lot online, I was like, well, I didn't think Matt was, was one of those, but it's just something that you, you know, they want you for your expertise on basketball and also you, uh, you derive enjoyment from it. Yeah. Well, I think that there's a lot to be learned from it too, about, you know, like how, um, like, you know, how the lines are, are brought together and what they mean and, and what it says about, where the teams are at the expectations level, even though the, the they're always adjusted in order to get the most bets on both sides, there's still you know things to be said on each of them about um, you know how what the, what the perception is from bookmakers on these teams. Yeah, I actually like that because one of our co-hosts on Fast Break Breakfast, John, is the self-professed degenerate gambler, and he like he gambles a ton on the NBA, and he he needles me that when we started our podcast a few years ago, he's like, you knew about the NBA, but you didn't know that much about the NBA because you never followed the lines and such. And like, he was like, and so it's interesting, you know, to, to look at the teams where you're like, what does a six point, you know, win mean more than a 12 point win and a, a two point and like reading all the stuff about the, uh, the gambling. And now I've started not for money, just for pride started picking against the lines. Huh. But like all year we do it with our Patreon supporters yeah. and it's a, Ooh, it's a rude awakening. Where you're yeah, like, it's tough. Yeah, it's, I, it's CBS, crazy. Yes, because of the system that we had, I had to do every single line for every single game every single day for five <laughs> years. That's crazy. Um, and like every time I tell that to, to anybody that bets consistently on NBA, they're just like, that's insane. Why would you ever do that? Like, why would anybody do that? Uh, ballpark, what was your record over five years? Uh, let's see, over five years, I'd say it was, I was probably somewhere. I did really well my first year, and then I think probably um, I wound up somewhere just maybe north of 50%, like 51%. Right. Not enough for it to be like actually valuable, whereas more right. than a coin flip. Um, but, you know, I would have these really wild swings where it'd be like two weeks of of, of playing, or of making great selections, and then I would have two weeks of just like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no <laughs> idea what any of these things are. I have no idea about any of these lines. And so it's been fun, though. There's a lot of stuff I think to learn from all of it. That's definitely the, uh, the the roller coaster I've experienced. Where again, just doing it for like a year of picking the lines, where it's like you settle in for three weeks, and you're like, you know what? I think I got it. And then, and then it's like, oh, and then you just you completely lose out. Uh, we have a saying: uh, my favorite part about gambling is when I forget about the vig and nearly vomit. So that's right. the that's the uh, yeah fifty one percent doesn't get it done uh, with, with Vegas taking their cut. Anyway, right. we're getting a little bit ahead. Before we go any any further, I gotta ask you, Matt. Uh, have you eaten breakfast? It is our tradition to talk about it. Uh, I have. I have eaten breakfast. What you uh what what you have today? Uh, I had. Um, I, I'm big on. I, I love Special K with red berries. Okay. Uh, it came out in like 2004, and I've pretty much been eating it. Um, not every day, but a lot of the days since then. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I, what I do is I cut up a peach and oh. I throw it on top of that. Uh, and that makes for a very good breakfast. How many, how many special K with red berries do you keep on hand at any given time? 
uh well cereal so it's like well, I'm, I'm with you but like how many boxes or is this like because in my mind i didn't know if it was like a like a patrick bateman american psycho style <laughs> no i just keep uh i keep i keep i have really only one box and then um, okay i did you have one of those containers though oh yeah like, i got you i got you yeah, yeah so like i got one of those <laughs> uh, i don't know if you could set up like an amazon subscription for that right. do they bring it every should. Uh... that's what they should do <laughs> anyway uh you recently were at the sloan um conference did you have any great breakfasts in, in Boston? What did I have? No, I had nothing there. I was pretty <laughs> much going to, I was going to the conference every day and then staying out late at night. So I pretty much would, my breakfast was just coffee. And <laughs> then like they have, they always have stuff at these conferences, but it, it, you know, but catered. But my thing is I'm like, I'm with media and I feel weird about taking their food. Like that's for the people that have paid, oh, you know, yeah. to attend the conference. So I try and be like considerate of that and not, and not partake too much. I'm I'm much more of a. I did have a uh, the the Starbucks um, breakfast sandwiches are surprisingly really good. There's a bacon gouda that's just kind of awesome. So well, there you go. What were some of the highlights from the Sloan conference? Uh, There's a lot of cool stuff. I thought um, the white paper called Boast Gusters, which is obviously playing Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, I thought it was it was fantastic. It brought a lot to the table. Um, I liked. Um, is that the one? Is that the one where you draw up the play and like the the computer dry erase board tells you what if the play is going to work? Yeah, so it uses machine learning, which is AI, um, to be able to evaluate exactly like not exactly, but almost exactly like how the defense is going to react to your play set, which I think is just incredible. Um, like it, it's just really phenomenal to to see what machine learning is going to do for the NBA because like Vivek Randive has been talking about this for a couple of years about how eventually there's going to be like one of your assistant coaches is just going to be uh, like a, a basically a computer. It's gonna like one of your assistant coaches will wind up just being um, a unit that tells you what's going on and what the optimum lineups are and like all of that and like that's very much going to be a thing in the future. Um, do you think Steve so, Kerr would let that computer coach for a game? Yes, I absolutely do. I think he would. <laughs> no, you know what? He wouldn't because the players would get all mad. Well, so. can you imagine the reaction of Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson if he did? Yeah. I'm ugly. already writing all the technological advancements and what the announcers are going to say. <laughs> stuff is just, it's coming. It's unavoidable. So, Did you, did you have a chance to see uh, Obama or are, are you allowed to talk about it? Um, I, so it's really weird. Um, like, you know, the, the day before they're like no tweeting during no tweet, like all of these things, but like, they didn't say that we could talk about it afterwards. I don't think they can because they didn't really like make that clear. So I don't really have a problem talking about it where I don't think there's any issue. Um, well, what did he say? I haven't heard anything about it. I feel like I've heard uh, everyone just say like, I I went there, I guess we can't talk about it. So what did he say? There have been reports on, um, on what he said, uh, if you go out there and, and just look for it, there's there's stuff to to to, to glean. Gotcha. Uh, Diamond Loon, uh, who's on Twitter, he works at Sports Tech, and he um, he had kind of a rundown of it. You know, mostly all of it, uh, it a lot of it was uh, just stuff about leadership and about kind of uh, like how you know what he he said some interesting things. He said one thing you learn about pickup is that. When you play pickup with somebody, you learn about how much self awareness they have, because like he's like I play with a with a a, a person in the in the uh, music industry, like basically an artist, and he was like, and they just thought that they were like that they should shoot twenty times, and he was terrible. He's one of the worst players I've ever played with, and you learn very quickly about 
um, you know, if guys have a good self-awareness of what they should be doing versus what they are. So I thought that was really interesting. And then, you know, just talking about, uh, he talked, he, he made very strong comments, but comments about the NCAA, like he's, he's basically in favor of playing, paying the players. And uh-huh. that was cool to see. So, uh, that was cool. Let's see what else. Um, the Sloan was great, though. I, I, it's interesting because the scouts and the analytics guys that are there, they don't have, get a lot out of the panels anymore because they work in the industry and they want stuff that's specific to what they do. Mm-hmm. And the large panels essentially wind up being a lot about team strategy because they're headliners, right? Like it's you know it's Mike Zarin from the Celtics and it's um, uh, you know Maury's on a lot of the panels and all of these guys like Lawrence Frank was on one. And so there's all these kind of like um, these the, those are more about strategy and how you approach how you approach building team culture. They got a little away this year from what the, has been their formula in the past, which is hey, let's get like three analytics dude, a middle person, and then one guy that hates analytics, and then we'll just have them like fight. And <laughs> I thought that was really good to get away from that. Like there was one where Jalen Rose is like, you can have a stat tell you anything, and it's like that's not how it works, Jalen. That's just like that. That's not an accurate description of the study of math. Like, that's just not how math works. Um, in general, though, I thought it was really interesting. There's one on that had Steve Nash and, and Shane Battier along with Maury. Uh, and it was just basically like Nash talking about the the legacy of the Seven Seconds or, or Less Sons and Battier talking about um, kind of his career and what he's learned and all those things. And it was really fascinating. There's a lot of those panels that were great. I paid a lot. I actually went in. I made it a point. I went to a lot of the esports panels. Uh-huh. Um, because I think that that like even now, even though it's such a huge industry and like, the, the 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 cat's out the bag in terms of the investment that's going into it, but especially the media, like we're way behind. Like we are woefully behind on how big an industry esports is going to be and how it is going to dominate the landscape. The amount of money there is in that sport from the interest level is just insane, and the NBA is ahead of it because all the teams are investing in it. Um, but it, it's going to be fascinating to see over the next couple of years how esports evolve. Do you think the NBA by biting off this huge chunk of esports and they're obviously they're investing tons of money. It seems like they're almost doing it real world style where all these teams are building dorms and facilities for the players to live. And I assume, I mean, they haven't said this. I assume that means they're going to be tracking them and doing like a kind of fun. I don't know if they're going to have full, like full scale confessional videos, but it seems almost like, like an MTV real world thing. Do you think the rest of the e-world community as in the people who aren't so into like the basketball games are going to be interested in the NBA 2K league, or is that going to be directed more at NBA fans, just basketball fans to get them involved with the video game stuff? I think it'll be more with the, with the with NBA fans, just because uh-huh. I don't I don't think the margins and, and I'm not sure that the skill levels translate as effectively. Okay. Um, and so I, I'm not sure that, that it's going to translate, but I do think it'll be great for casual fans to get them invested and involved and have them kind of get to understand uh, the situation. So I, I think it's going to be a successful league, but I think it's also building like it was smart for the NBA, right? Like we're going to cater, we're going to basically translate our core audience, which is sports fans into this environment. Um, and so I think that from that perspective, it was really smart. That's good. Did, uh, did Obama weigh in on tanking? Uh, no, he did not weigh in on tanking. <laughs> it was not a, a subject that was, that was brought up. So, uh, what he did talk, he, he was great though. Cause he was like, basically they're like, right, glad to see you. And he was like, well, you know, my daughter goes, goes to school down the road and, that's pretty much the only reason I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> that, makes, that makes sense. I wonder what he thinks about like the, the self-aware pickup basketball player. What about the self-aware player who knows he's shooting a lot and is just comfortable with that lifestyle? 
I'm thinking of I Zach think Harper. That, that's what he's talking about. Like the guys that are just like, <laughs> well, you know, I think, and that's part of it is, is it depends on how good you are, right? Like if you're, are you, like, are you shooting? If you're just shooting a lot and you're not good, then you're right. just a drag on your team. Yeah. Um, and actually, I did a for for Action Network. We were a sponsor network. We were a sponsor of the conference, and so I was asked to do a scouting report on Obama. Uh, and I actually wound up talking to somebody who played pickup with him, okay. um, like regularly. And that guy was really insightful in what he told me because he was like, he's just like the most team first guy you will ever imagine. He is like he is constantly coaching every single player. Um, like he's 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 like he's supportive when he needs to be and he's critical when he needs to be. But he is like the super coach on the floor guy. I guess that makes it's not surprising. I mean, given that he was leader of the free world. <laughs> it's like, yeah, not, it's like not, uh, he probably has opinions and he probably, uh, you know, uh, you know. He's got he's got he's got an image too to maintain. So I assume, I assume he wants to put that out. I think it's genuine though. I think it's like more the reverse. Like that's who he is, and that's what like helped him become president. It was like he's just a guy that focuses on leadership and making sure that everybody's everybody's involved and everybody's doing the right thing. So I like to imagine that I'm like a team player when I play pickup, the same way like like offering encouragement and, and guidance. Uh, but people tell me like, "Hey Keith, you uh, you yell a lot." I'm like, <laughs> oh, I was just trying to. Just thought you should do this. And anyway, um, so Obama didn't weigh in on tanking, but I want you to weigh in on tanking. Uh, I've always really kind of hated the idea that the uh, losing is rewarded to some degree, but I guess I hadn't focused my full attention on it. Like, I, I, I tried to come up with different ideas on, on why they should totally revamp the lottery system or get rid of it. And now, like, tanking has come into my own life personally as a Memphis Grizzlies fan and season ticket holder. And... I'm even more outraged with it as much as I'm cheering for the Grizzlies to lose all their games. I think it's a disaster. Uh, I saw on Twitter some, you're kind of like, eh, it's no big deal, guys. Like, teams are going to be bad. Uh, no problem. So, can, yeah, can you, I don't, can, can I don't you... understand why we're talking about this. Like, I just don't. Like, for okay. one, yeah. Like, you're, so you're, you're, the whole, the whole complaint is like, these teams are playing terrible basketball. We don't want terrible basketball. Well, okay. So, if you just take away all of the draft picks, from the bad teams, what do you think you're going to get? No, you're going to get terrible basketball. I'm not like opposed. I'm not opposed to terrible basketball. I'm and opposed like, to being feeling conflicted when your team wins. That part is ridiculous. But I just don't. I, I, does it really look, look? Let me ask you something. If yeah. the if the Grizzlies beat the Suns last night, do yes. you feel any better about your team, or are you pissed because you're like, yay, we beat the Suns? Everyone's just like, oh, we beat the Suns. Congratulations. Like, no one's actually happy. Like, once your team sucks, that's it. Like, you don't care anymore. Because in an 82-game season, you know you're done. Like, no, no like, like, when you're, you're cheering like, for... Oh, what a great win versus the Suns. Who cares? When you're like, cheering for a college, like, basketball, football team, and I don't even really watch college sports anymore, but I can remember cheering for teams that were like, we're not going to make the NCAA tournament, but when they play a game, they beat somebody, you feel good. Like, you watch sports for the competitive nature, and it's fun. And I understand there's always going to be really bad teams. I just feel like like going to a game and like cheering at home and wanting the Grizzlies to lose is a lot easier than actually being at the game and being like, I know I want them to lose, but I want Marc Gasol to make his shots when he shoots. And then, like, so it's weird. I, I think it's it's just, it, it's bizarre that they've created this. One, they've created a system where you're rewarded for losing, your fans are conflicted, you have, like, you, us nerdy basketball fans telling the casual fans, like, no, it's actually bad that, but, that we won. Like, here's the thing, though, is, like, our real problem in this league isn't bad teams. It's okay if a team's bad for a year. Like, yeah. I'm sorry that you have to deal with your team 
being purposely bad for basically six weeks. I'm really sorry. That, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's rough. Our problem is that we have bad organizations. Sure. That's the real problem. Like that's what we need to eliminate. I'm okay if you want to make a change to it to where you're basically saying like, okay, if you're in the lottery for more than, you know, X years in a row, then oh, yeah. you, you like your picks are taken away. I think that's a good thing because it would incentivize these teams to be like, look, we have to reevaluate our management. We have to reevaluate what our like our culture. We have to reevaluate our talent evaluation. Like that would 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 fix a lot of these problems where these teams would have not only like they would be better at um at, at from an organizational level. I just don't understand. Like I, I don't know, man. Like I, I get it. I understand. Like the whole point of sports is to be competitive. I get it. It's just like in an eighty-two game season, there's gonna be nights when your team isn't competitive because everybody's out drinking all night and like right. Is that outrage? Like, no. Like, and the other thing is, 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 I just think it's better to be focused on the, on the big term. And the other thing, I, I really don't think it's good if we're doing, a, if we have a situation where we're basically like we're burying the bad, and especially you as a Memphis fan. Let me explain this to you. Like, if they take away tanking, you, the Grizzlies are never going to be good. Well, like, the, they will never be good. I mean, because you, you will, you're saying if it was all like if you got rid of draft picks completely. Completely, no, like, and they depended on getting like, the top look, thing. Look at the history. Like some teams are are buried in bad luck. Yeah, and they're typically the small market teams. Like I'm a Memphis fan, and I'm all like, oh, good. They're they're very close to getting the number one pick or the number one slot in the lottery, so that they can then get the number four slot in the lottery and take yeah. what will predictably be like the worst play in the draft. Yeah, like and that's what the, like a situation that's advantageous to them. Imagine what happens if you change that. Like. I don't know. Like this, I don't I know. Don't... You, you, I mean, you, you just described a bad scenario and then said, imagine if they changed that bad scenario. Like, uh, yeah, something different than that does sound pretty good. Like, no, like, but that's like the point. It... Look, if they flatten out the odds, do you know yeah. what happens? It's like, oh, you have less of you have less chance of getting a good player, and you're not going to sign anybody in free agency. Like, it prolongs your mediocrity. Like, it like the 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 Grizzlies had a phenomenal run based off of a whole bunch of weird things happening. Yeah. If like Zebo, t- if the Greek run era doesn't come about, like they're still in mediocrity. Oh, like, I you're agree. talking about burying your, as much as you're like I I don't you know you're, like the question of oh man I have to watch some bad basketball for six weeks. Okay, let's compare that to being stuck in mediocrity and wondering what the point is of even watching this stuff for like an extended period of time because you're never going to be able to find ways to get better. Yeah, well, so right now we have uh, six to seven weeks of eight teams not even trying. But here's the thing. We, we could, I, hey, I, we, we I could. Have a, I have a huge yeah. problem with this. Uh-huh. I, have a huge, I have a huge problem here. Look, one, if you thought the Hawks were bad before, they're just as bad. They're not worse. The other thing is I find most of these teams to be, actually be not that bad. Like, I've seen tanking years where it was like, oh, my God. But most of these teams, like, I don't know, the Hawks play pretty disciplined. Like, the Mavericks are always pretty much competing. You still get to see Dirk play. Like, Memphis, like, the wheels fell off because Mike Conley got hurt. That wasn't going to change whether tanking existed or not. Like, are the Grizzlies bad because of tanking? Is that what, like, do you, and Marcus Gasol's not missing shots because they're trying to tank. Like, let's be real clear on this. The players have zero incentive to tank. That doesn't happen. That's a miss that, that's made up and needs to be, like, die in a fire. Is the idea that the players... Like, why would you possibly be like, oh, I really want us to lose more so that my reputation suffers and we wind up getting a player who will probably replace me? Why would you do that? Do you think that when you're watching, like, I, I feel like when I'm watching, say, the end of a Suns game and it's a really close Suns game and they're down by four with 30 seconds left and in a normal situation, most teams would, like, foul immediately. But I feel like there's kind of a... I feel like I'm seeing a thing where they look over to Coach Triano no, and they're like, should we foul? No, and he's like, meh. No, 
No. Because I'm seeing no. time run off the ends of these no. games, Matt, where I'm like, why no. didn't they foul for 15 seconds? But, but you're talking about the same team last year that fouled to make sure that Devin Booker could pursue 70. Oh, yeah. The same squad. Well, like, in their defense, they this were down insane. by 20 the whole time. <laughs> no, man. Like, look, the, no, the players are not tanking. Like, they are very, they are seriously not. It's not happening. No, I mean, like, the I, players I, I, have I, never given directives to lose. They're I, not. I, I, yeah, and, and I'm not arguing that. I, I'm understanding these and players. it's really these, insulting these, to suggest otherwise. Yeah, yeah. These guys are definitely all playing for their jobs. They're playing for their pride. But I think they know in the back of their heads, like, it honestly doesn't matter if we pull out this game right now, like there's not a dejected when you lose oh, you're at right. the end. No, like, you're right. Because if tanking wasn't absolved, then they would know the last night mattered a whole lot. No, no. no. Once you get to all-star and you are 15 games under 500, oh, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. over. Sure. That's it. Like guys check out in January of this league yeah. because once they know that they're not going to be competing for anything serious, like they check out one, two, three, six more weeks was a cry from the nuggets. Like, teams check out like that's a veteran problem more than it is for the young teams and those young teams usually tend to be the worst ones was it the bucks who did the one two three cancun the cancun on yeah. three that was amazing no like, i'm with you i just i just wish it was incentivized where, where our like where, the fans when we watch where, where, like what you wish those incentivized what you're actually saying is you wish it was incentivized where the mediocre teams have a have a chance to get really good but will probably just stay mediocre the good teams will stay good and the bad teams will stay bad no, I want to where the mediocre teams can say, hey, if we actually win all our games in April, that, that's fun because winning is fun. And, like, I love watching Zach Randolph play from his time on the Grit Grind era. And the Kings are like, you know what? Zebo is a national treasure. Let's, uh, let's play him every game for, you know, 20 minutes as opposed to let's sit him, like, every three games just because there's whoa, no whoa, point whoa. of winning. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's back up there. The Kings said in January, oh. way before the Tang thing, that they were moving – to play the young players, but resting but, your veterans to get your young guys. Like, look, I love Zebo as much as you do. Everybody loves Zebo. Zebo's bad now. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's bad. He's been bad. You want to know what would help them tank? Playing Zach Randolph more, man. Like, again, love the dude. They have a much better chance at losing with Zach Randolph on the floor. Like, that's the reality. That's got nothing to do with tanking. It's getting young guys the minutes that they need to develop because you have to look out for your future at some point. And with the case of Mark, like I want him to shut down Mark. It's not because I want them to lose more games because, again, I'm just like, well, it doesn't matter. You're probably going to mess up the draft pick. But I want them to, to, to rest Mark because my thought process is, well, I, don't, I want Mark completely healthy for the first time in three years. I yeah. want him to feel his – if we're going to make a run at this with, with bringing back Conley and, and, and Mark – then that means that Mark has to be a hundred percent. He needs as much rest as possible. So some of these times, these tanking decisions are not built upon wanting to lose, man. It's like, look, if we lose great, it helps our draft position. But in reality, it's, we need to rest our, our veterans. There's no reason to like, why on earth would, would you want to be like, well, I want Marcus all because you know, it's fun. It's super fun. Is that being fun worth him suffering a torn ACL? No. Sure, but like you're still you're looking at the King situation. When in January they acknowledged we had to develop our young players. Okay, that's like ten players on your roster, and like playing Justin Jackson, starting him all this time. It's like that isn't really. I mean, maybe that's helping for the future. Are you, just, what are you kidding me? Justin Jack, like like the uh, here's an example, like Josh Jackson, right? So yeah, like Jackson sure. getting more minutes, and he's improved huge. I've seen time and time again. When young players get start to get minutes, and all of a sudden 
it's like it, it helps them like big time. Like it, you need them to get minutes, and and that growth is is a big deal for these young guys. Like yeah. it's <laughs> the, the, some of this is just like intuitive stuff, and we're we're just kind of ridiculous and silly about it. Like I, I get it that we all want to be like moralist, and like the point of sports is for it to be fun. Well. I'm sorry, but a Suns Grizzlies game at full strength with everyone playing for all of their for every single reason possible is still not going to be fun because those two teams suck. And like, if you lose those games when you're trying, it's even worse because you're like, God, we are just the worst. I, 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 I guess I disagree that, that it's even worse. I think it's more like, all right, yeah, we lost because we're very bad. We still have fun. We still make jokes about our our team being very bad, but we don't have to feel like weird about the fact that we're, uh, you know. Like that, winning is, is. I mean, do you want your team to get? Do, I mean, here's one. Do you want your team to get good players? Sure. I understand. Like you have to choose. But I. But no. But so then you have like a team like the Sixers who are in the the middle of their process, and again, they're they're the successful example, sort of, uh, of the process working. But like they okay. went years where, where they cho- well, I mean, they haven't. They're going to be the eight seed. You know, like that's that's the five years what? to be the eight seed. You know, they they have. What? Okay, one, they're probably not going to be the eight seed. Just I'm sorry, that. seven seed? Where, where, where are we at now? I mean, I, I would say that they've got a good chance of being as high as, like, five. Like, looking at their schedule, like, I follow this stuff pretty intently. Yeah. And, like, there's a good chance that they're going to be pretty good. Um, and even then, like, they're a team that, like, I'll tell you this, like, I heard from three different Eastern Conference teams who were like, we don't want any part of the Sixers. Like, we don't want them in the first round at all. Oh, certainly. So, well, I mean, I don't know, man, like you know, make it like the, the thunder were the, the, were the eight seed in 2010. That's part of the, that's part of the whole process. Like you're not going to jump from, you're not going to jump from being from, from, from tanking to being like the one seed. Like that's not realistic. So I don't know. Like, I'm just saying like, let's not be like, well, you know, kind of like, no, like that it's like, it's working. Like it's painful. And there's, I understand some of the, of the concerns with it. If it didn't work out, like, you know, if, the, if you miss on a draft pick, if, you know, if Embiid's hurt, like there's all these things, but, I mean, there's there's just no way to really short them on where they're at now. Right. And I, think, I mean, like, I, I was gonna say, I I mean, obviously, I agree. I agree, it's working, but we're not unfurling the the, uh, the mission accomplished banner yet. No, but that's the thing. That's I mean, yeah. looks, it's hard. Like, yeah, you know, like spoiler alert, the NBA is hard. You know, like, yeah, I, well, I, I I'm with you. Hey, so so uh, let's let's move on. Last topic. Um, you're you're in Denver. You're kind of close to the, to the Nuggets. I'm like uh, Nuggets are, are like my um my secondary team in the, uh, the depths of Grizzlies losing. I've, I've become even more attached <laughs> to, to, the, to the Nuggets. Uh, but so they're adding Paul Millsap back into the fold. They are uh, in the midst of, of a really tight playoff race in the West. The first game back, what was a dispiriting loss where, where, where Boban took their soul uh, and the Clippers <laughs> t- t- took him down. Uh, how do you think they're going to incorporate Paul Millsap back in and like and now Trey Lyles finds himself on the outside looking in again just based on one game but how do you think they're going to get him back in to the fold and uh how's that going to affect their playoff race I think it's it's gonna be tough for them with with Millsap I think um because uh they play such a different style and Jokic plays so differently when he's on the floor I think that has to be there has to be some real concerns I think from from Denver about that that they just haven't looked like they haven't been able to be the same team with Jokic and Millsap on the floor. And I'm not sure how to rectify that or where they need to go to get that kind of fixed. Um, so there's a lot of things they have to figure out. That said, like, the defense is just so much better with Millsap. Like, uh-huh. it's just – it's not even close how much better it is. So I think that there's probably um, – 
you know, there's opportunity there for them to get better. And they've been really good offensively since, um, you know, since kind of like taking the reins off and letting Millsap or letting Jokic kind of run the offense. So there's a huge opportunity there for them. But I do think that Denver, I mean, I think it's going to be touch and go. I think Denver this whole season uh, has been really in a kind of a tight race, and I think it's going to continue. I just think that they're going to be in a tough spot the whole way um, trying to hold on to a playoff spot. I think it's going to be them and the Pelicans and the Clippers and the Jazz and the Blazers. I think they're all going to be jumped up, and then it's going to come down to a lot of tiebreakers and like complicated scenarios to source out who's going to win and, and, and how. Uh- What's your ideal rotation, assuming you were a coach uh, of the Nuggets and knowing you only have, what, 20 games left to uh, get in the playoffs? Uh, I would probably say that one of the things I would start with is, like, um, you got to minimize the amount of time that Mason Plumlee's on the floor. And it's not even so much that, like, how Mason's played, because I think Mason's played pretty well. Uh, I just think that Mason presents certain challenges for your spacing and how you operate. And that probably Trey Lyles needs to get a higher spread. Like you, when Millsap and Jokic aren't on the floor together, they need to be playing small ball all the time. Like that's one thing that needs to be happening is is they need to make sure that they're that they're getting small ball rotations uh, effectively out there because when they don't play small ball, it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I sat there kind of jaw agape watching that Clippers game in the first half when Millsap comes back and Jokic doesn't attempt a shot in the first half. Trey yeah. Lyles, Trey Lyles only gets in because there's foul trouble to Jokic, and I'm like, you got to be kidding! Like this is this yeah, is really. I think, <laughs> I, I think there's concern from Malone about uh, about the defense and what happens to it if you go full on if you go full on like Lyles and. That's one of the things that I think Malone's really struggling with is he's a defensive coach and uh-huh. essentially like the best option for them is for them to play offense first and offense only to really focus on on, on just their offensive output. And I think it's hard for him to kind of accommodate and manage. Do you think they have any uh, buyer's remorse for signing Paul Millsap? Oh, no, no. He's been awesome. Like their defense is phenomenal when he's on the floor. Like they were in control of that game in part because of how well Millsap played. Um, I just think that they're going to have like figuring it out is going to take time and they don't have a lot of it because of the injury. Like that's one of the problems. Uh, last thing, who's going to be left out among those teams like Clippers, Jazz, Nuggets, probably Blazers, uh, the Pelicans. The schedule is, is really bad. They won the game the other night because of a Boban Marjanovic fluke game. Um, like, <laughs> not Hayden is just like a reality. Like he doesn't play because yeah. he can't be on. Like he was about to fall off and die in that game. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, I think the Clippers miss, and I think – I actually think Utah misses. I'm just not convinced that they can beat the bad teams that are on their schedule. I think that that they've got a really weak schedule, but I actually just think that that's going to hurt them um, down the stretch. And I think that they're – sometimes we just – we kind of tend to act like, oh, they got a weak schedule. And it's like, look, you still have to be a team that beats those teams. And they're 14-11 and 11 versus teams under 500 this year. They haven't been great versus those teams. So I think that there's a real chance that Utah misses out – despite having what is unquestionably the easiest schedule amongst the teams in contention. I think, I think I agree with you. I've, uh, I've grown enamored with the jazz, but I don't think they have enough in the tank to get it done. Uh, well, Matt, thanks for taking time to come on the show. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing if we can get an NBA record, eight teams under 25 wins this season. <laughs> Never. I, I can't, I, I went, I went back year by year on basketball reference for a long time. Because, and, <laughs> but here's a question. Like, does it matter? Like, if everybody was was trying and they were that bad, would you care? Like you wouldn't. 
I think I would. I think I'm more of the like. I like a thirty and fifty-two. I feel like thirty and fifty-two. Like guys, you, you tried. Want, you want you want the the NFL model of like. And look, I'm into you on for parity. Like that's typically what I want is everybody to be pretty good. Yeah. But what you're talking about is the NFL model of uh, mediocrity by by parity, right? Where it's like everybody's like everybody's pretty decent, but nobody and like. That, I think, is a problematic model for the league as well. Like, you need really great teams. It's hard. It's a, it's a really tough balance. And I think, look, there are options. I'm actually, I have a tanking solution that I'm going to be publishing in the next couple of months that's radical. Okay. Um, that actually involves the players getting a say in where they go. Um, and both the team and the players will rank their destinations and, and possible p- targets. It's uh, like a pl- so pledging a fraternity. Yeah. And so, like... The, the teams get to choose their, their order and the players choose their order and then you match them and you still have the lottery because the lottery determines who has the most money. And so you'd still have incentive to tank a little bit to get that extra money, but it wouldn't be as much and you'd have a real chance to maybe eliminate some of these issues and give the players a lot more authority. So yeah, you'll have to check that out. Maybe that will be the, the solution that you find most uh, accommodating to your, to your tastes. That sounds good. At this point, I, I, I think I'll take I'll take most of anything. I get excited about it. About, well, I think about the biggest thing is like also is like if your team is it was better, then it wouldn't be a big thing, right? Like no, I well, mean I, I'm on the record of, of being very opposed to the especially the, the going into the season tank that that, that 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 offends some some moral sense of superiority. I hold, <laughs> I guess. Well, I just say like morals in, in pro sports are, are bad. <laughs> like that's my <laughs> that's a good one to wrap up on. Uh, Matt, uh, thanks so much. Uh, look forward to talking with you soon. All right, man. Take care. All right, thanks a bunch to Matt. You can follow him on Twitter at HP Basketball. And if there's nothing wrong with the lottery system, why is he trying to fix it? I'm thinking now. Wish I thought of that five seconds ago when he was on the line. Anyway, uh, you can check Matt out at the Action Network. If you want to support our show, you can do that at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. Get the bonus content there. Or you can download the Draft app, draft.com slash fastbreak. Use our code fastbreak. You get $3 entry into any game. We get paid a nice little kickback, and you get to play against us. Again, you can follow me on there at fastbreakbreakfast, and then I'll invite you into the games I create, those expert games. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at fastbreakbreak. Like us on Facebook. You guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, never apologize for being G and G. Fab break break, man, you understand?